Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. The series that we're in for the holidays is entitled Behind the Lights. Um, There's so many things that we normally talk about during the Christmas season. And those are still in play. They're still very relevant. Uh, But I've tried to take a backstage peek at some things that are valuable that don't always get talked about in our Christmas story. And so tonight I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 through 56. And though this doesn't take place during the traditional Christmas season, it is about the mom and the dad and the child Jesus and their entire family. And I want you to notice that in the family that Jesus was placed into, born of Mary, but breathed into existence by the Holy Spirit, fathered by a man named Joseph who was a carpenter. As he grew up a little bit older, it says, someone in the crowd said, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Now Jesus certainly was incredibly conceived, miraculously. But he was born into a family that had four additional brothers to follow and at least two sisters. They're not named here. So Joseph and Mary raised a tribe of children. And in this room, we have families with children. Some of you have given birth naturally to those kids, right? And some of you have married into a situation where you weren't necessarily ready to be a parent, but you fell in love and and now you are a parent. And you might even be a grandparent in that situation. Or maybe you made the decision to adopt. You wanted to make a difference in someone's life. And so you went across the seas or you went across the state or just here locally, a child is in your home because you've been involved with adoption. Or maybe you're raising someone else's child. Maybe you're raising some of your kids and somebody else's children. Or maybe you're a grandparent and you're watching those kids full time for the most part. I want to say this, and maybe you're a student. And while I'll be talking, especially to you parents tonight, students, hear what I have to say. You have a key role into your parents' effectiveness. And you're becoming of age where you're starting to dream about starting families and of raising children. I'll tell you that something that will change your perspective is holding a child in your hands and realizing a life is in your hands, literally. Oh God, I need your help to get this child to go to sleep at an appropriate time and help raise them. So I've entitled tonight's message, Proxy Parenting. Because the truth is, while Mary and Joseph were given the Son of God to raise him on behalf of our Heavenly Father, every child that all of us will ever raise, we are simply proxy parents. None of them belong to us. Every kid that will ever be raised, we are raising them on behalf of heaven. Amen? Notes are there. If you use the QR code, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your family, the family I get to be a part of. Father, I pray you breathe across this room tonight, those who are listening online, encourage hearts. Sure, parenting is a big task and growing up as a 
teen, a child into a teen, to a young adult. It's a challenge, but it's a good challenge, God, and we thank you for it. With your help, we'll do it well. It will change the world that we live in. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand before you're seated. And also give our worship team a big hand. Great job, you guys. You can grab a seat. And we appreciate everybody who serves. We've got a great production team and our food, uh, our hospitality team, and our children's team in the back right now. They're filming some stuff that will be online this week. Join us online Christmas Eve, 6 p.m. I promise you a lot of stuff going on, a lot of video production and all sorts of things happening. So we look forward to seeing you uh, online next, is that Thursday night? Is it Thursday night or Friday night? Friday night? Greatest night of the, of the year, the night we open our gifts. Amen. All the biblical people said amen. You know, uh, I wonder in considering this idea, if Joseph and Mary sensed great pressure to raise Jesus properly. The first night that they're holding this baby in their hands, this baby has come to them under a little bit different, more heightened uh, things in play. God, through angels, spoke to Joseph. Angels spoke directly to Mary and said that she would conceive the Son of God. And so in the process of holding this child, they're in a, in a manger looking into the eyes of this newborn baby, understanding who he was. I can't imagine the type of pressure that these parents felt to raise this child properly. And every time he had a cough or every time he sniffled or every time he cried, looking up to see if, am I, am I doing it? Am I okay? Right? It's that intense pressure that they no doubt felt. And I began to contemplate after they began to have other children, did they feel the same pressure as they raised their other children? Or did they look at Jesus as if this was God's child, but the rest of them, they were theirs, and they would hear something happen in the back room. Something tips over and crashes, and they go running back there, and it's like, whoo, it wasn't Jesus. We're okay. A bad report from the neighbor. Do you know what your son did? Oh, was it Jesus? It, it wasn't Jesus. Don't worry. Oh, oh we're, st we're still good. And I wonder if they felt an extra pressure. Did they see him as God's son and the rest of their children as theirs? And so my question for you is, how do you see your children or your grandchildren? Do you observe them as yours, as your responsibility to do with whatever you want to do? Or do you really see them through the eyes that we should see all children through the eyes of the fact that these, every one of the children we will ever raise really are the possession of God? When you read Psalm 100, verse number 3, it says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is he who made us. And while our parents were involved with the biology, the spark of life, it requires the breath of God. It, say this with me. It is he who made us. You've got to hear that. Life is precious. It is sacred. It is the breath of God that causes a child to be a living being. And I know that we've all got past and we've all, got, we've all made mistakes, but looking forward to understand that you are not just an act of biology, you are the breath of God that has caused you to stand in this place. You are a sacred being, and every life is sacred, amen? Come on, let me, let me hear it. 
I don't care what, what, what standard politics are telling you these days or what they're arguing about. The breath of God is what brings a living biological specimen to life. And every child is precious. You read the, the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. It says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. It's not just an act of science, although it is scientific. But God has the, is the one who made us. And it goes on to say, and we are what? We are his. And so when Romeo and I had our first child, who we buckled into the carrier so that no, no one could pick up our child and no one could accidentally drop our child, because there's a lot of reckless people out there, and we protected her dearly. And then later on when Val was born and we kept her buckled in some of the times, and then when Steve came along, it's like, who wants, to, who wants this child? You know, we, we were no longer so worried about their safety. The reality is our children never were ours. They are not ours today. We don't possess them. They carry some of our DNA. They have our last names at this point. They have a, I look at them and I see their mom in all of them. I don't necessarily see me, but that's probably a better thing. But they, did somebody just say amen? I will come out there. Are you serious? It's uh, the season of good cheer, people. Yeah. Uh, but the truth is, they've always belonged to the Lord, and we are simply proxy parents. We're standing in the place of our Heavenly Father to raise His children. You know, the Bible says that children are a heritage from the Lord. But hear me for a second. They're not your heritage they are his heritage. We raise our children uh, as a reward, but not our reward. It's heaven's reward. And so the, looking down our family tree, looking to leave a legacy, the legacy we don't want to leave is just a legacy that reflects us. We want to leave a legacy that reflects him through us into our children and our grandchildren into the generations to come, as we sang about tonight. We're just stewards on our children's, for our children on behalf of heaven. We're proxy parents. We are fill-ins on his behalf. And this should expand our understanding of our role and our responsibilities as we parent. Again, whether you've stepped into a family that's already set up or you're raising your grandchildren, you have the same responsibilities that Mary and Joseph had with Jesus. We are Mary. Did you hear what I said? We are Mary. We are Joseph. We are raising children, born, adopted, we overseen. They are his and not ours. We are stand-ins for God. And so I want to give a couple of things to be able to encourage you as parents, grandparents, um, that you can have the confidence that you can do this well. It's remarkable when you look at Joseph and Mary. What they were able, they raised, the, they raised God's son, changed the world, and they were as natural beings as you and I are, but there were a couple of components that they had engaged in their lives that you want to make sure that you engage in as well. So proxy parenting, number one, they did leave, lead what I call God-first lives. And you can see this very prevalently in their life. When you look at Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, before Jesus was ever born, it describes Joseph as being a godly man, a just man, a man that heaven saw, honored, and, and admired so much that God said, you will be the one to raise my child. 
And as heaven looked down upon Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, an angel was sent, and when the angel arrived to bring her greetings, he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And I would say that uh, that's the type of person I want to be. That's the type of person that I want to lean into, the fact that God is first in my life, and that brings a response from all of heaven. And I will definitely say this, as someone who has uh, had children, I don't know what our oldest is, probably 30 at this point. Less, oh, I apologize. I can't give away, oh, back away from this. Okay, for we've been parenting for a couple weeks now, and in the process of all the advantages you could have as a parent, and I know some of you do internet searches, and you're asking your friends, and you're researching out, what's the best stroller? For your first child, anyways, that third child, you're like, whatever, what's available? But you're like trying to figure out what will give me the best advantage. What will give my child the best advantage? I will tell you there is no greater advantage for your child than for you as a parent to put God first in your life. That is the biggest advantage over money, over education, over opportunity, over resources, over open doors, over anything. When you put God first in your life, your child has built-in advantages that you can't even begin to comprehend the moment you make that decision. And it becomes important for you to make that decision. Putting God first is not just a state of mind or something that you kind of you know, morph into. It is a de uh, decision. It's a macro decision on the front end. It's when you say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. You know, that word Lord can be a title or it can be a position. It's intended to be a position because when you say the word Lord, you could be describing someone who is a Lord and not your Lord, or you can say my God and my Lord, and what you are saying is this God is first in my world. And there comes a critical moment for all of us where there's a line in the sand where we step over that line to officially make him first. When I read the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, there was a lot of people that were, you know, making decisions for God and making wishy-washy decisions for other things. And Joshua was the commander and basically like the president of the nation as they were stepping into the promised land. And Joshua made this inc incredible declaration in chapter 24, verse 15 of the book named after him, he says to the people that are listening, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And I would say that to all of you. Choose whom you will serve. But I want you to know that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was the decision that Joshua made. He said, I'm not serving my job. I'm not serving relationships. I'm not serving you. I'm not serving the opportunity for more power. While all these things may play a role in my life, there is only one Lord. There is only one first. And today I want you to know that I've stepped across the line. I've made the macro decision. He's not only Lord, but he's my Lord. And I want to challenge you. There's an important moment where you make that decision. You make it once in life, but make the decision. Otherwise, you just end up hanging around and kind of smelling like the fragrance of everyone else at church and participating in everything everyone else is doing, but it's kind of like sneaking into to a gym and not being a member. You don't get to enjoy all of the amenities of membership. 
When you sign on the dotted line and become a member, you get a shirt, you get a workout coach, you get special programs, you get huge. I've obviously been going to the gym. I know some of you are questioning that. Um, But it's stepping across the line and signing on the line saying, I'm in. And if you haven't signed, if you haven't stepped across the line and said, Lord, I'm in with you, you need to do that. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Step across the line. You won't regret it. There are so many things that I regret in this lifetime. I know you're not supposed to have any, but listen, we all have them. Remember that one car you bought? Oh, it was amazing until you got it home, right? And started making the payments. There was that one job. Oh, this is amazing. It wasn't amazing. That one product that you had to buy that cost too much. And you regretted it. There is one thing that I do not regret. Many things I don't regret. But the decision to step across the line And to serve God, man, my life has been so much better for it. I want to be real clear, and I want to use this word uh, intentionally, okay? Serving God has brought to my life privilege. I know in the world that we live in, it's very anti-privilege. There's all sorts of privileges being named out there in a derogatory term. But in a world that we live in, there will never be level ground, in anything. You will always look at someone else and feel like they have an advantage over you. You want the ultimate advantage in this lifetime? You want the ultimate privilege? Serve God. And I'll say this, when you as a parent serve God, you give your children privileges that are that are eternal and heavenly. You know, when you read through scripture and you begin to study the life of Job, who was a godly man who had placed God first in his life, the enemy, devil, Satan, says to God something very, very amazing. Don't miss it. He says, you know, I would get after Job and his family, but there is a hedge of protection around him. You see, when you and I, when we surrender our lives, it's like our life is like territory. And when we surrender our lives to the Lord and we make the Lord first, We don't just rule over our lives. The Lord rules over our lives. And the enemy begins to be evicted from our territory. And while your children live under the umbrella of your home, they live under the protection and privilege that the Lord has placed over your lives. And here's the beautiful thing. He offers that privilege to everyone. He said, whosoever will, come unto me, come to me. It's his desire that everyone step into that type of privilege, which will still look different for everyone because God has a different plan for you than you than you. And his plan for you is fashioned for you. It's unique for you. But when you step across that line, you step into privilege and your family behind you steps into the exact same types of privilege. And that privilege is more powerful than influence It's more powerful than money. It's more powerful than your friends. It's more powerful than any force on earth. When heaven stands behind you, let me tell you something, the privilege that you will carry will take you to supernatural places. You read Deuteronomy chapter 28, and this is the privilege that's described for those who serve God, who make him first. Let me just read this to you, and I want you to imagine if you don't have children, someday you will, maybe, Hopefully, or if you don't want them, that's, you know, I get that. Um, They're easier than pets, I can assure you, though. I I kid you not. I'm not joking. 
oh, well, just get a dog. No, 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 no. Just go straight for the kids. It's, they're way easier. But listen to Deuteronomy. Yeah, some of you are like, I would like to beg to differ. Some of my preaching is just my opinion, okay? So Deuteronomy 28, listen to this, though. This is you. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, in other words, if you'll put him first, step across the line, make the macro decision to make him first, but then with every step after that, you're making micro decisions to make him first. And he says here, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do his commandments as I command you today, the Lord your God will, listen to the terminology here, he will set you high above all the other nations. It's biblical. God wants to bless, you know the word blessing? Well, you know what it means? Something you don't have, he puts into you. Some of you are like, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if I... I don't know if I believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't know what you're talking about, but every time you pray and God answers, he's prospering you. I, I don't believe in that stuff. No, listen, God's blessing on your life that we sang about in a nine-minute song, and then we'll sing, about it, sing it again in a little while, let his favor be upon you. That's not just like magic pixie dust. It's God pushing heaven's resources into your life. My life looks so radically different because he's first in my life than it ever would if I had, not, I had not responded to his drawing. And I can see it reflected not only in my life, it's reflected in my health, it's reflected in my relationships, my resources, it's reflected in my children, it's reflected in their relationships, it's reflected in my grandchildren. I can assure you, without Jesus... I would be in multiple marriages and multiple children and probably down some dark roads. And I know that we've all got a past, even while serving God, there's some, thing, some debris that happens. But I want to tell you what, when God is first, we actually, we actually uh, render ineffective all of hell's plans to damage our children. So much of what you experienced that was traumatic as a child, possibly, probably, was likely avoidable had those who were raising you had Christ first. And even if they had Christ first, there's probably still some challenges because we're all people. But if they hadn't put Christ first at all in their life, I can assure you, life would look quite a bit different. Amen? No, it goes on. I could just read this. It says, and all these blessings shall come upon you. Blessed shall you be in the city. Those of you who live downtown. And blessed shall be those of you who live in the country. Those of us in Ridgefield or Battleground, right? All, and these blessings are going to come on you. Blessed will you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb. Do you know that there's something different upon your kids because you made him first in your life? Distinction. Go back to the Old Testament and look while the plagues are raining down over Egypt, all of God's people lived over in Goshen. And while the hail is falling out of the sky in Egypt... Not a drop of hail falls in Goshen. And I know it won't be that pronounced in your lifetime, but I promise you, when you make God first, what you experience and what your children will experience, what your grandchildren will experience, will be significantly different than if you don't make him first. Mom, Dad, if there's any motivator to serve God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, look into the eyes of your children and your grandchildren and say, I want the best for them, and say yes to following Jesus. Read that entire chapter there in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it is amazing. You want this for you and your children. 
When God is first in a parent's life, the vast majority of potentially traumatizing events for children will be neutralized and avoided. The ones that can't be avoided will be better navigated because they will know who to turn to when the heat is turned up in their life. Proxy parents also, these proxy parents honored one another. Joseph honored Mary, and Mary honored Joseph. Luke chapter 2 talks about how Mary honored Joseph, even though she had this great plan for God in her life, and angels show up. She followed through in her commitment to marry this young man. And Joseph, on the flip side, even when he thought his girlfriend had been unfaithful, he wanted to protect her from what society was going to do. There's a huge impact on children in the way we talk to our spouses and the way we talk about our spouses. Now, anything I say that rubs you the wrong way tonight, good, okay. <laughs> I don't make any apologies. And I, I, what I want you to hear sincerely from me is God is a, a God of a new day. The mercies of the Lord are new today. If I say anything that is like, oh, man, that's me, I don't want you to take that as a heavy-handed form of discipline. I want you to hear the invitation to make a change. I want to I challenge you to rise up and be what you maybe not have been able to be at this point because none of us have arrived, but always excelling to that next level. There's a huge impact on children in the way we talk to our spouses and the way we talk about our spouse. And Joseph honored Mary, and Mary honored Joseph. When you talk to your spouse in front of children and grandchildren, you are training them how to treat their future spouse. You are training them on how they should be treated. And there's this great moment to lean forward and to be a person who honors it's how you treat other people. It's how you treat that spouse. You're training them how they can expect to be treated. In fact, you're actually living out the gospel in front of them because there is no more valuable relationship, according to Scripture, than the relationship between husband and wife. It supersedes that of children. Can I just, this one's a freebie. It's not in the notes. Husbands and wives, do not allow your children to become a wedge in your relationship because they're going to, Divide and conquer if they can, and then move out, and you're going to be divided and conquered. Your greatest commitment needs to be to the relationship of marriage, and that might be challenging at times. But I want to tell you, your children are your responsibility, but there's a greater responsibility, and that's to build into that relationship you have with your spouse. I got a minute and 30 seconds left already. Somebody, somebody used all my time for something. I don't know what it was. You know, one of the greatest wounds to your child wanting to serve God will be for you to not treat your spouse the way God wants you to treat them. And while there are a million experiences and a million sermons they will hear, the thing that will inspire your child to want to serve God the most is to observe how well you serve your spouse. Because the picture of serving one another in the context of husbands and wives is the picture of Jesus serving his church 
and what we can expect from our Heavenly Father in that loving relationship we have with Him. I, would, I could say this. I know the guys here in the church, um, and we, the, I love the men in our church. There's never been a moment where I've heard a, a, a husband dishonor his wife, but I can assure you, ladies, if it happened, it would be corrected really quick in a very loving, kind way, but it would be corrected. And the reason why is because I have found that this world thinks it's so cool to bag for the guys and the women to bag on their spouse while with their friends. It's like the cool thing to do. The old lady, the old man, the ball and chain. That is the gift from heaven to your life. And your marriage will be limited by how you talk to your spouse and how you talk to others about your spouse. And I want to tell you, heaven will open as you honor your spouse, and heaven will close up as you dishonor them. Scripture bears that out in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to go like an extra couple minutes. Is that okay? You guys get warmed up. Just do a little, let me show you what you could do to get warmed up, okay? All right. Let me, I think that this one's important. I'll just hit on, hit on these next ones. Uh, at Proxy Parents, Mary and Joseph, they protected their kids. I'm going to lean forward and I, I'm not going to smile. They protected their kids. I want to challenge you to be fiercely protective of your children. Not like a helicopter parent. I mean, they could fall down and bruises heal up. But at the same time, be involved. Trust, but verify. Hear what I said? Trust, but verify. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter 2, there are so many accounts of evil that is approaching this child, Jesus. And it's not recorded, but no doubt the other at least six siblings. While heaven has great hopes for your child, hell has an agenda as well. And there's nothing like realizing that as a parent that in every nook and cranny of this world, there would be someone wanting to, to bring harm, and yet, because we stand on territory that we have surrendered to God, there is a protection like no other territory on the planet. There's no, um, there's no alarm system that you could buy in the, in the natural realm like the alarm system of heaven the protection of angels, the protection of God's people, the protection of the Holy Spirit, who will speak to you, I promise you this, and alert you to dangers that your natural eye would never see. You know, do you know that the moment you became a Christian and stepped across that line, heaven installed that security system into you for you, your marriage, your life, your children, and it will go off, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he will alert you to things that you were not aware of and say, hey, pray or look at that or do some research. And it will be the greatest moment, some of the greatest moments that you'll experience. You know what? That, that defense of the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing. Our culture is constantly demanding that we grant our children these non-biblical rights that will make good proxy parenting almost impossible. And once those rights are granted, they're almost impossible to take back. I would challenge you to trust but verify in every arena of your child's life. And to all of our students, I would say, you want this in your life. 
As a 15-year-old, you want your parents to be involved in your life. You want them involved in your dating relationships. You want them involved in your money. You want them involved in your online viewing. And mom and dad, I am telling you, there is no, this idea of privacy, it's non-existent. It's a thing that's been built into our culture, but my Bible tells me that I have a responsibility to raise my children on behalf of heaven. Can you imagine Joseph saying, well, it's just, you know, you know kids need their space. Um, at my age, I don't need all the space that I would take. You know that my wife has at any time access to anything on my phone, and if she didn't have access at any time, there's a problem. Because I've given my life to her. She's given her life to me. We share bank accounts. There's no place. I'm on Find My Friends because if I want to remain her friend, she better be able to find me. (laughs) When our kids first got cell phones, this is what I said. This is my phone. I pay for this phone. You get to use it. And you will at no time tell me I can't look at it. Don't ever delete a text message because I'll know I've installed an app on your phone that will will alert me that you've deleted it. And we had very direct conversations. And you know the beautiful thing about that? My kids were like, of course, that's not a big deal. And almost never did we ever have to request that because we built into this idea that you're growing and you need help and I'm going to be very involved in your life. And when kids came over to our house, we built friendships with their friends And we never let them just go over to somebody's house that we didn't know. We would get to know that family as well. You want to sleep over there? You better be sure that I have a friendship with them. Because of all the things that are super important in my life, you are more important than anything. I'm not just going to hand the keys of my car to them. I don't know if they got a driver's license. Trust but verify. And you are way more important than that. And so when they... Younger started dating and all of that type of thing. Very involved in those relationships. And guess what? We've got some rules about dating at our house. And this might make me old-fashioned, but I'm going to help you parents out. Listen, your bedroom is not your bedroom. That's my bedroom. You get to live in it because I'm proxy parenting. Apparently, heaven has not provided you your bedroom yet, but when heaven does, you can call that one yours right now. I'm proxy parenting. This is my bedroom. I can come in here anytime I want and look at anything I want. Now, I'm not going to do that because I'm a snoopy person. But also, if I'm concerned, I'm going to come in and ask any question that I want. And by the way, in this room, this is where you sleep. This is where you can hang out with friends of the same gender as you, but ain't no boys coming to this girl's room and ain't no girls going to that boy's room. Does that make me old-fashioned or does that just make me protective of my children? Because why? Trust but verify. Kids don't get in trouble. Am I going too far? Is this too far for some of you? This is okay. I want to help you, mom and dad, but I also want to help you students because some of the challenges that you will bring into your life that you will regret are avoided by a simple line in the sand just like that. we got a rule in our house. While you're dating, there's at least one set of feet that are always on the floor. Standing whether you're on the couch or not. Oh, I know, it'd be great to cuddle. Get your dang feet on the floor. Don't make me come over. I'll tear one of those legs off. You'll be picking it up out in the backyard. And if you don't think I don't talk like this, I do talk like this. I will tear your arm off and throw it in the backyard. And I have no problem 
to say to any young guy who wants to date my daughter, listen, that's my daughter. I don't know you yet. Kind of like you. You're kind of cool. In fact, my goal is that you and I are better friends than maybe me and you, her and you are. And she's going to hate that. And I'm going to like that part. But then to have very direct conversation. Now, my daughters are obviously older now. And I, I, they're, they're, they're grown. They're still on Find My Friends, though. You know why? Because when they break down, they don't know where they are. i got to go find them. <laughs> when they get them a man in their life, then he'll, he'll go fix her car. And I don't demand that. They, 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 they offer that to me, but I, they're still on my phone bill. <laughs> it still is my phone. No, they pay for it. Um, let, me, let me bring this to landing. Let me, let me, let me really emphasize, uh, to say to, to mom, dad, trust but verify. There's nothing wrong befriending your daughter's new boyfriend or guy friend. And being very direct, hey, that's my daughter. Not many things more valuable to me in my life. I'm going to trust you until I don't. Don't give me a reason to don't. We could be friends. We could be buddies. But I will protect my child, and I'll protect you as well. Amen? Have those conversations. You'll find a teenager, boy or girl, as a, will respect you as a parent. See, when it's ambiguous and you don't ever lay down any rules, that's when things get really messed up. Shoot, if a dad had ever talked to me like that, I'd been like, yes, sir. I would have thought that was pretty cool. Dated a few times before I met Rowena. It's always, you know, she's, they were, it was all Rowena and all the other girls that I dated. You know, that in dating, my high school years, I never had a single father ever ask anything about me or of me or anything. Somebody goes through the, into the front door of your house, just starts walking around, you're going to say something? That's your son, that's your daughter. Have a conversation. Stand with me. I've got more points. They prioritize God's house. Okay, let me just read you the final scripture. We're going to pray. And as we sing this final song, I, I want, I'm going to come back after they're done singing and, I, and I'm going to come up with less. We're just going to pray over you. Um, but I'll say this, whatever you do, work heartily. Parenting is work. Grandparenting is work. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the Lord Christ. And so tonight, I want to invite you just fresh and new to surrender your parenting opportunities to the Lord. If you have to hit a reset on maybe some of how you functioned with your child, you might need to go to your child and say, hey, listen, we got to start over with your phone, or we got to start over with your dating relationship, or we got to start over with how we're interacting, or I got to make some things right with you. I, I, You've heard me complaining about mom, and that's inappropriate, and I am sorry, and I'm going to start over tonight. That would be one of the greatest conversations you could ever have with your child. That'd be powerful to, uh, to repent to your child. I want to challenge you to do that, but I want to challenge you to step in this with joy, lean forward, and to heartily work to serve God in the raising of your children and the raising of your grandchildren. Because your children are gonna, like, like a fruitful vine, as you, as you shape them, as you lean into it with God's help, as you make him first, you're gonna watch them blossom and the fruit that falls off their lives is gonna be enjoyable for them, enjoyable for you, enjoyable for the people in your world. 
God is going to use you to shape them to produce fruit. And you're going to celebrate that all of your life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.